Let's take our Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to talk about instructing children in the Lord. Instructing children in the Lord. Somebody has said, the heart of education is the education of the heart. Now think about that. The heart of education is the education of the heart. Because as the hearts of our children are developed for God, we begin to see godly character. Character is what comes out when they do things by habit without really thinking about it. And when we begin to see our children just developing godly character and, and responding in the Lord, it's an awesome blessing. Deuteronomy chapter 6, let's read this passage, verses 4 through 8, starting with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. That's just a very important thing. He's talking there to parents. He's saying, the words that I'm teaching you should be in your heart. Notice the next verse. And thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children, to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets before your eyes. You know, instruction of the Lord takes place 24 hours a day. Sometimes we think of instruction as something that takes place at school. Well, hopefully they're getting some moral instruction at school, but the honest, simple truth is, you and I are the ones that lay the foundation for what they really believe. What they really believe comes from our homes. Somebody has said that uh, uh, we need more moral instruction in our country, in our, in our schools. The only problem is they've taken God out of the school. And if you don't have the absolute truth of the Word of God, then you have no absolutes. And the absolutes are what are the foundation for what's right, what's wrong. If you don't know what's right or wrong, you're not going to have any moral character like the, the country wants. I mean, just look at the aspect of gun control. Gun control is not the issue. Heart control is the issue. Amen? I mean, I own a gun, but I'm not dangerous because my heart is controlled by the Lord. I use it for self-defense. And it's so important that we understand that as we educate our children, they will come up with the same concept that God wants to control my heart. God wants to, uh, to control my lips. Blew. 
And so many times, that's where the issue is, right? Our lips. Because often, we say things that we wish we could take back, but we can't. And so let's talk about some principles of instructing the hearts of children. And these principles are good for you if, if you're not a parent, but you have an opportunity to mentor someone or disciple. I like the word disciple. Disciple someone. I have a master's degree in biblical counseling, but I don't tell folks that I'm a counselor. I'm a discipler. Because this is the foundation for what we share. Amen? So let's look at some principles. Number one, life-changing instructions come from your heart. Life-changing instructions come from your heart. Notice it says there in verse number six that these shall be on your heart. So he's talking to adults. And he's simply saying, if you're going to make an impact on children, they, they have to understand that, that you hear and obey what God says. It's really hard when, when we disobey what God says. I remember one time, Ruth and I were driving along a country road, and uh, oldest grandson, Bailey, was standing in the back seat. And that was back before you had to have uh, car seats and all that kind of stuff. And so he was standing there, kind of holding on to our, our, our seat. And I met a state patrolman. I didn't think anything about it. Well, the state patrolman did. And so he turned around, started following me. He gave me the blue light special. <laughs> and so he's standing there writing a ticket for speeding. And I asked him, I said, the speed limit is 70, right? He said, no. No, speed limit is 60. I said, in country roads? He said, yes, sir. I said, well, not in my state. He said, you're not driving in your state. <laughs> About that time, Bailey leaned up and said, Granddaddy, give him a track. <laughs> I appreciate his evangelistic fervor, but I didn't feel like giving the man a track when I have broken the law. Are you with me? You see, what they see is more important than what they hear. Does that make sense? What they see you and me live, our example, when we don't think anybody's looking, oh, they're looking. And so consequently it says, these things should be in your heart. See, my love for the Lord as a dad or a mentor will teach me how to love children. There's a book entitled, To Be a Father Like the Father. Amazing book. To be a father like the father. The, let's see here. Well, I, I'll tell you in a few minutes who the author is. But, but um, it, it says here, to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and might. And I simply have said, wow, that sounds intentional. That's on your notes. 
or needs to be on your notes. That sounds intentional. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, that's your feelings and your emotions. <laughs> and with all your might. So this is how we make a difference. See, loving God in this way will motivate me to put his words in my heart. And so many times, we have the opportunity to impact children, but we don't use his word. If we know his word, it is his word that changes and softens hearts. It's not my word. It's not my word. Doesn't make a difference how educated I am, how many degrees I have, what, what, what I've gone through school for. That makes no difference at all. Same thing for you. It's what's in your heart. Do they see his words coming out? Many times when I was a teenager, we would sit around the, the, the table and, and we'd discuss things. And, and my dad would say, you know, that's an interesting thing. I wonder if the book of Proverbs says anything about that. I'll tell you what, I learned more about the book of Proverbs because my dad had read Proverbs so much, he'd just kind of pull his Bible down and he'd open it up and say, oh, yeah, here's, here's a verse. Now, let me give you a little tool. If you don't know the book of Proverbs very well, this is the best resource I've ever found, Wellsprings of Life. And it is simply the book of Proverbs divided into topics. So whatever issues your, your children are dealing with, the topics are in this book. I'll have it back the, at the back there. You can look at it after we get done. But my dad would say, I wonder what the book of Proverbs has to say. And that became his resource to help me go in the right direction. See, instruction from your head will only reach their head. But instruction from your heart can reach their heart. And when they sense that you are sharing some things that, that have meant something to you, that have changed your life, changed your perspective, changed the way you make decisions, changed attitudes, when they see that these things have worked in your life. Does that make sense? Worked in your life, then you'll be able to be an impact and influence for them. Somebody has said, that which I love, I love to teach to those whom I love. That which I love, I love to teach to those whom I love. In other words, if music just drives you, you just love, love music, then you're going to be teaching music to those that you influence, to your children. If you love sports, guess what kind of conversations will be had at the table? And while you're in the car, you'll be talking about the Braves. You'll be talking about Georgia Bulldogs. You'll be talking about sports. That which you love you love to teach to those to whom you love. But if it's the Lord, 
the one that you love, you will love to teach things that God is teaching you. Now, let me tell you, we never get out of God's classroom as adults. Amen? God is always trying to teach me something. I've often said, (coughs) I was saved at the age of six. So I've been a Christian 70 years. 70. So does that mean that I have arrived? No. There is always the next spiritual step that God wants me to take. And once I take that, okay, Lord, I guess, oh, you got another spiritual, really? Oh, in this direction, oh. Okay, Lord, uh, are you happy now, Lord? I've taken that next spiritual step. And How's that? You want me to take another spiritual step? Are you with me? See, we never reach the point that we have arrived. And if our children see that we are students, that we are learners. Now, did you know your children can be teachers for you? Teachers for you. They see where you live. They see really what you believe. And sometimes their questions are not sassy. They're just questions. They're just wondering, does that go with what you've taught? And we kind of go, right? Children can be our teachers if we have a teachable spirit. And so consequently, that which I love, I love to teach to those whom I love. The second principle, life-changing instructions must be diligent and earnest. Life-changing instructions must be diligent and earnest. We saw, it says, thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. Now the word diligently in the Hebrew <clears throat> means to sharpen to sharpen, like you're sharpening the point of an arrow so it will stick into a hard surface and stay there because it has been sharpened. And sometimes, sometimes our children can kind of develop a hard heart. Now, now is not the time to say amen, right? Right? Our children can develop, sometimes their hearts become hard hard because they've prayed for something earnestly and it didn't happen. Or or maybe their best friend has parents that are going through a divorce and you're praying, Lord, keep them together, help them never, and they divorce. And your kid's going, what? Or some crisis takes place. They've prayed about that, but it still takes place. And what they understand about God is shaken. And sometimes because of that, their heart becomes hardened. Now, what is it that can penetrate a hard heart? 
the words that you and I sharpen. In other words, those things that truly make a difference. There, there, there are three things that help us to sharpen our arrows of instruction. Genuine and consistent love. Genuine and consistent love. That means regardless of what they have said or done, you still love them. You still love them. Somebody has said, a mother's love will never fail. Hopefully that's true of dad's love too. Right? Regardless of what they've, had, what they've done, our middle son was kicked out of college in his senior year. A Christian college in his senior year. When I got the phone call, they said, well, no, there was no sex or drugs or alcohol or anything like that. They, they just, they had 29 students all at a uh, ranch right outside of uh, uh, the college area, and they all spent the night there. No sex, nothing wicked going on, but guys and girls are not supposed to be doing that at this Christian college. So... So my middle son got expelled. And I'm thinking, Lord, I'm a pastor. Is this the end of my ministry? I was really shaken. Really shaken. I thought, oh man, if I've got children that are (laughs) kicked out of a Christian college. So there was a lot of stake. But when he drove into the driveway with all of his stuff, got out of the car and walked into the kitchen, and my arms went like this. And I hugged him. I said, son, whatever you're going through, we're going through together. I still love you. It's okay. We'll make it. Whatever the consequences are, we'll make it. He told me later that on his way home, he was wondering, will dad get angry? Because if dad responds in anger, I will immediately turn around, get back in my car, and drive away. I had no clue that was in his heart. What did he see? Genuine love. Are you with me? Genuine love. Secondly, firm and consistent control. The second thing that sharpens our arrows of instruction, firm and consistent control. If you're a parent, you know what that means. You wonder how many times you have to tell the folk, your your kids to say, yes, sir, instead of "Uh uh-huh, or yes, ma'am. Whatever manners you're trying to teach them. How many years do you have to do that? 105. (laughs) At least that's the way it seems, right? You're going, man, oh, I don't think they're ever going to get it. Same thing is true with discipleship. Don't give up on somebody that you have the opportunity to disciple. Don't give up on them. Consistent love, genuine love, 
and, and then control. Hold them accountable for the things that you're teaching. How are they doing? Ask for reports. Thirdly, a personal example and prayer. That sharpens your arrows of instruction. A personal example and prayer. Now, fasting and prayer is something you don't hardly hear about anymore. But it's in the Bible. And there were times that, that uh, Ruth and I <clears throat> just said, okay, this is, this is really serious. We're just going to fast and pray for a week. Now, we still had boys at home. So she fixed meals for them all the time, every meal. <laughs> the youngest son is still alive. <laughs> but sometimes we would go a week just fasting and praying. You know, when we get desperate with God, God gets desperate with us. Amen? And when your children see that this is something very, very important to you, they will begin to understand maybe it needs to be important to me. Personal example in prayer. Now, take your Bible and turn to Ephesians 4, 15. Chapter 4 and verse 15. Ephesians 4, <clears throat> 15. First part of that verse tells us how we sharpen our arrows of instruction. 4.15. First part of that verse says, rather speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. In other words, speaking the truth in love brings about your growth as a discipler, as a parent. Your growth. Notice speaking. Write the word confrontation. Sometimes you have to confront someone who you're discipling or confront one of your children. Speaking what? Truth. That's convictions. Convictions. Not preferences, but Bible convictions. Helping them to understand this is what the Bible says. Regardless of how any of us feels, this is what the Bible says. But notice in love. And that's the word compassion. Compassion. So confronting with convictions and compassion. Now somebody has well said that compassion, many times we as parents can just, oh, we just, we just love, we just love, you know. Compassion without convictions leads to compromise. Compassion without convictions leads to biblical compromise. You give in on things that you should not. <laughs> Now, the opposite of that is convictions minus compassion. Boy, you're strong in what you believe. 
but you don't have any compassion or love. Convictions minus compassion leads to contentions and callousness. Contentions and callousness. Contentions, fighting all the time, arguing and callousness. Callousness means <clears throat> they become numb. They become hardened. They don't have feelings in those areas. You got calluses there. And sometimes <clears throat> we can be strong with our convictions, but they don't sense our love. And we wonder, when they get to be old enough to leave home, they never come back. And we're going, what? They used to come to church with us all the time. Now they don't go to church at all. Whoa, 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 whoa. And we have a tendency to say, that's not the way they were raised. They were raised with convictions, but no compassion, no love. And so they walked away. How important it is to have those things. Now, go back to the Old Testament and look at the book of Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. That's where you'll find that in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Chapter 12. This verse tells us that we as disciples or we as parents need to be seeking answers, correct answers, to their questions. If they ask questions and you go, that's a really good question. And you don't know what to say. Simply say to them, let me get back with you tomorrow. And when they're gone, you call a friend, you do some research in the Bible, so that you can have answers to their questions and not allow those questions to go unanswered. Notice then, verse number 10, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse number 10, the preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings that are given by one shepherd. And so here we see that, that uh, the preacher or the, the uh, discipler sought to find words that were upright. In other words, they, they were practical. So the question is, how are you answering regular day questions that your children are asking. They come home from school and they go, Mama, what's trans, trans, uh, trans, transgenderism? Mama, what's that? Mama, what's, what's a homosexual? I mean, Mama, one of the girls in our class got pregnant and and I saw her holding hands with somebody. Is that how you do it? Having these conversations with our children. You don't need a school to have conversations like that. You don't need a sex education class. You just need to sit down with them and share God's word 
God's plan. What did they learn about alcohol consumption? Seeking words that answer the questions that they're having. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Nehemiah chapter 8. Actually, the last part of verse 7 says the Levites help the people to understand the law. And then it says in verse 8, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. In other words, they helped them know how to apply what God's Word says. How to apply it. We tried so many things with our boys with family devotions. <laughs> and they were falling asleep. Or, or, or they were just anxious to get back to the TV program they were wanting to watch. And we were just frustrated. Finally, honestly, I just gave up. All of it's a waste of time. So one night we were sitting at the supper table and we always tried to eat supper together. And they were just talking about things that happened during the day with them or their friends and I'd talk about things that happened to me or maybe in politics or whatever. And then I would say, you know, Ike made that decision. What do you, what do you think the consequences of that decision may be? And they go, yeah, I don't know. I had my Bible on the cabinet right beside me. And I reached up and I opened up the Bible and said, here's an interesting verse that may help us to understand where that decision can lead. And I read it. And then we discussed it. Then I did that the next night. Then the next night. And they said, you know, we finally see how the Bible relates to life. If the Bible doesn't relate to life, it will make any difference in theirs. I need to write that down. I've never said that before. If the Bible doesn't relate to life, then it makes no difference in theirs. Does that make sense? And so consequently, it says... They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Then thirdly, life-changing instructions must be continuous. Thou shalt talk of them, the Bible says. See, the evidence that their hearts have been touched is seen in godly character in the habits that come out. We tried to go to just about every football game we could go to when David was playing, excuse me, Pastor David. And one night we, we had been at an away game and we got back home late, I mean late. It was one o'clock in the morning and David's bedroom was on the lower level of our house. So I went downstairs to tell him good night. 
He was on his knees beside his bed with his Bible open. And I thought, one o'clock in the morning. He's just finished a grueling football game. He's bruised, he's tired. But what is he doing? He's reading God's Word because that was his habit. Honestly, I was convicted. When I'm that tired in that time of the day, I crash and burn. But that's kind of what helped make your pastor your pastor. It's seeing those things that are continuous. Listen for inconsistencies in what you've taught and what they've caught. Inconsistencies in what you, between what you've taught and what they've caught. Michael Phillips is the author of To Be a Father Like the Father. He wrote this, my sons were three and five years old. They were building some elaborate structure with their Lego blocks in their room while I tried to read in the next room. It was a quiet, rainy Saturday afternoon. My wife was out and I was left alone with the kids and apart from periodic bursts of squabbling, the afternoon had gone smoothly. I finished my novel and a moment of satisfaction sat back to eavesdrop on the conversation going on between the would-be engineers in the next room. To my shock and delight, they were carrying on a preschool equivalent of a theological discussion. My older son was telling his younger brother how things worked in this world. God makes trees and plants them wherever he wants them. Sometimes people do, but mostly God does, he said. Well, what does he make them out of, his brother asked. Oh, old tree stuff just lying around. Well, how about the rocks? Old rock stuff, I guess, the older brother countered. Well, who gets to tell people what to do? Well, only God goes to, gets to tell people what to do, and they all have to listen. When I heard that, I sound, <laughs> it sounded like a great summation of childlike obedience to God. I was proud of my son and his granite uh, faith stand in God. I stood up to go tell him that I was impressed by his proper consolation or conclusion, but before I could get there, he added this to the conversation, and I'm God. <laughs> Only God can tell everybody what to do, and I'm God. So we have to check to see what's the difference between what we taught and what they've caught. So look for a sincere desire in their hearts to talk to the Lord about everything. And they should be able to see this in your life. In other words, tell them what you talk to God about and what this means to you. Answers to prayer. Help them to understand that there are things we pray about and they don't happen. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says slow. Sometimes God says go. Amen? But when God says no or slow, God is trying to teach patience. They don't understand that until we share with them what we have learned about seeking God. Now let me ask you a question. Who looks up to you? 
Who can you possibly disciple? Who is someone that, that would value what you have to say? Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's somebody else's children. What are you doing so that their lives are attracted to your life? When the boys were young, actually they were older teenagers, there were times I'd sit on their bed at night and I'd, I'd ask them, is everything okay between me and you? And after we went through that question, and I asked forgiveness for things that had offended them or hurt them or whatever, then I'd come back and say, is everything okay between you and God? Is everything okay between you and somebody else? Now, you can't ask those questions unless you're willing to hear the answers to the first question. Is everything okay between me and you? And, and parents have to be like um, um, suspension springs in a car. Car's going along and hits a pothole. Wham! But then the springs kind of come back slowly. Oh, it, it's our old nature. Man, when they hit us with something, we just want to respond. No, 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 no. That's not God's way. He wants us to come back slowly. A soft answer does what? Turns away wrath. Grievous words stir up anger. And so many times, those words come out so quickly. We need to just kind of... Do that right now. Everybody do that. Some of you didn't do it. Sinners. All right, do it again. That was hard, wasn't it? Because, boy, I mean, you know what, to, I mean, you, you got that answer ready. And God says, not right now. Not right now. So, Dad... Is God's word precious to you? Are you sharpening those things that you want to teach your children so that they stick to a hard heart and begin to melt it and make it soft? Because I'm here to tell you, you don't always know how long you will have those children. My brother was killed the day after he graduated from college. His life snuffed out. Or we as parents may all of a sudden suffer a stroke or an accident, and our influence and impact comes to an end, just like that. So the question is, what have you done for them and with them. The Bible says that Jesus chose men to be with him that he might send them out. Notice he didn't just send them out. But for three years, those men were with him. Day and night. It was only then that they were ready to be sent out. The same thing is true with our children. 
That's true of moms and dads alike. Amen? They're only with us for a short time. So what we do for them and with them is what they'll remember. I'm finishing the last leg of my journey. I'm so ready to go be with the Lord. I miss my wife so greatly. But God hasn't taken me home yet. Because I'm on that last leg, right? And he won't take me home until that last leg is done. So it's my goal to finish strong. We have 10 grandchildren, three sons, three wonderful daughters-in-law. You folks that I have the opportunity to rub shoulders with, as long as I have breath. Somebody said, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And if you're not dead, you're not done.